This is Software Engineering Radio, the podcast for professional developers on the web at se-radio.net. SE Radio brings you relevant and detailed discussions about software engineering topics at least once a month. Thanks to our audience and the partners listed on our website for supporting the podcast. Welcome to a new show on Software Engineering Radio. My name is Michael and my guest today is Jürgen Appello. We are talking about uh, leading agile developers. Jürgen, um, when I read about articles about you, you describe yourself as being a leader, um, a developer, but not a consultant, but also author. So how would, how would you introduce yourself and what are you actually? Um, well, I've, I've been a manager for 15 years. Uh, I don't do that anymore since a few months. Uh, I switched to training and, and writing uh, about management and leadership uh, to try and help other people to do it well. Um, but as, I, as you said, I, I do not do coaching or consultancy because I believe other people are uh, better at that uh, than I am. I, uh, personally, I prefer uh, the writing and the, and, the, and, the, and the training. And what we are talking about today is your latest uh, book, and I guess it's also your first book as far as I know. Is that right? Yes, and the, yes that's true. The book is called HL Management uh, 3.0. Management 3.0, yeah. Good. So um, what is the book about in three sentences before we uh, go into more detail on the book? Um, there are a number of books about agile uh, software development, many actually, but most of them are for software developers or project managers or testers. And this is, uh, I believe, the first one that really tackles the role of the line manager and team leader in an agile organization. Okay, and I mean, looking at your uh, history and uh, looking at the title, you must have felt the, the urgent need to communicate on that aspect and to basically share your experiences. Um, yes, because uh, as research points out that... Uh, Uh, Agile uh, has some difficulty uh, being accepted in, in, in many organizations uh, because of the responsibilities of management not being clear. Usually managers are seen as impediments in scrum teams, for example, or agile teams in general. And I think managers are not just impediments. They have an important role to play in, in changing and transitioning the organization to Agile. Could you briefly elaborate your own experiences, your history as a, as a manager, as a developer in HL organizations? Um, sure. I, I started out as a software developer um, and then quickly ended up in management positions. And because I never learned how to be a manager, I, I basically did it wrong in every way that I could. Um, so it took me a while to learn how to do it right. This, was, uh, this, this, this took me a number of years. And at the same time, I was learning about agile software development. And uh, a number of years ago, I, I decided to introduce Scrum in the organization that I was managing at the time as uh, CIO, uh, Chief Information Officer. 
so that was a decision uh, uh, by me as uh, as a manager in the organization. And I believe by then I had learned uh, through trial and error what the role of the manager could be. And that's when I decided to start writing about it. You say you you did learn how to do it right. So how did you know that you did it right? Um, I think um, one of the best compliments I got when I quit my recent job is that uh, a former team member said to me, um, I, I never really saw you as my manager. I saw you as a colleague who made sure that I could do my best job. And this is, I believe, exactly what a manager should do. Should uh, should uh, go out of his way to to make sure the teams can do their best possible job, and that is, I think, the purpose of a of a manager. Good. So um, you you called it three uh, Now we live in the age of Web two Why why did you call it three Well, it started out as a, as a tongue-in-cheek uh, title because, as you said, there's Web 2.0. Actually, there's already Web 3.0 and there's Motivation 3.0. And I thought uh, it would be fun to have a book title with a version number in it because uh, I wanted to appeal to software developers. And I said jokingly, uh, that's, that's why it has to have a version number. Um, but there's also a sort of a philosophy behind it, uh, which is that uh, the first version of management, as far as I see it, uh, was uh, or is traditional command and control management as, as it is still being practiced in many organizations. And uh, the second version of management is, uh, consists of all the fads and, and hypes we've seen in the past few decades that are, uh, well, that have a lot of usefulness in them. But people try to apply them to that old uh, architecture of traditional command and control hierarchies, which means it doesn't really work that well. Um, in my opinion, as I call it, um, Management 3.0 is the first uh, version of management with a good architecture, which is that the organization is a network and not a command and control hierarchy. And if you see the organization as a social network, uh, then, then you can reuse all those uh, previous uh, best practices that have usefulness, but apply them in, 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 in a more modern fashion. And that's what I call Management 3.0. Okay, <clears throat> so does uh, Management 3.0 basically build on 2.0 or is it just totally radically different from what everything was before uh, Management Good Practice? No, it is it is not totally radically different because many people have have applied very useful practices over the last few decades, um, and they're all still valuable. Um, but if you apply them in a in an organization that is is led in a command and control fashion, then those best practices have a, have a very hard time of actually working properly. So uh, that's, uh, that's how I see it. It is Management 3.0 is not a collection of brand new, radically uh, innovative practices. It is just common sense applied uh, in, in a way that is, uh, that, that, uh, that is working well in the 21st century uh, with an organization as a network instead of a, instead of a hierarchy. So um, some people might call some of the 
the practices in the book uh, 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 not new, uh, but that's because they're, they're common sense. Uh, and I just show them in, uh, in a new jacket, so to speak. Why is agile development so different or are the people different today? I mean, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, we had also software development. We had successful software development. So did the, did the change to management 3.0 uh, come through agile development? Or what, what made it now so important? I think um, um, uh, we have to distinguish two different uh, developments in, in, in the last uh, number of decades. The first one was uh, well, computer programming in general, uh, which started out as a uh, sort of anarchistic way of trying to make sure that computers did what we wanted uh, from the 50s and onwards. And then in the 80s, software engineering was born in Uh, as a response to the uh, cowboy uh, style of coding, uh, the, the universities tried to turn it into something that was more structured, more formal. And I've been raised as a software engineer myself. I had uh, a university degree, so I, so I know what it looked like. Uh, and yes, you, as you said, there, has been, there have been successful pro uh, uh, software in the past, both with cowboy programming anarchistic programming and with the structured formal approach. Um, but agile software development in, at the end of the 90s, early 2000s, realized that there is a middle road, a middle road between anarchy and, and, and order, and that is uh, complexity. This, this nicely aligns with, with complexity science, my, one of my favorite topics, which says that, that the real innovation uh, lies between the ordered and uh, the chaotic systems. And that is where the living systems are, the, the, the ones that grow from bottom up. And this is exactly what you read also in, in the first books on agile software development, where they refer to complexity science as, as one of the sources of inspiration for the, for the agile leaders at that time. Because uh, software development is more a social thing as something which you can 100% strictly plan in that meaning? Exactly, yes. Because a software project uh, can be seen as a living system uh, with, with uh, participants that all uh, are in there for their own purposes but try to cooperate and produce uh, some output. Um, and uh, that is what, what complex uh, systems tend to, uh, tend to do. Uh, it, it is not a machine that you, can, that you control from, uh, from, uh, from, the, from the top. It is, uh, if you see it as a living system, it is much, for, uh, much more useful. In your book, you introduce six distinct views. Should we go briefly over each of those uh, views? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I have uh, I have six views mentioned in my in my book, and the, the first one is uh, uh, energize people. This is the first responsibility of of development managers and team leaders to make sure that uh, that people are uh, in a project or in teams are energized. Uh, the second one is empower teams, which is about uh, uh, making sure that self organization works, that people have authority to make decisions themselves. The third one is Align Constraints, which is about setting goals to make sure that self-organization uh, uh, leads to results that are valuable for, uh, for the business. 
the fourth one is develop competence uh, aligned with with the craftsmanship movement for example which which is about people uh, developing them uh, themselves the fifth one is grow structure which recognizes that teams operate within the context of an organization and you may have multiple teams that have some relationship with each other so you have to think about the structure of the organization and the last one is improve everything about continuous improvement of uh, not just of processes but also of of of, of people functionality quality and and, and everything mm -hmm. in the energized people view you talk about do-it-yourself team values how did you come up with that um, there are a number of, uh, of, of values in, in, in uh, Agile and in uh, the Scrum and Extreme Programming methods, for example, uh, where they mention uh, courage, focus, openness, respect, uh, trust uh, as, as basic values of Agile teams. And when I researched these words, I found out that these are actually all virtues Uh, of, of human beings and there are many more virtues like assertiveness, uh, caution, enthusiasm, uh, curiosity, persistence, thoroughness, etc. etc. And I thought, well, many of those virtues uh, are, are very beneficial in an agile setting and I realized that uh, the ones that uh, should have the most attention probably depend on the context of the team. Like, for example, in my last uh, software team, uh, we, had, we, we didn't have any problems with respect and trust. There was lots of respect and trust in the team. Um, but uh, we did need a little bit more orderliness and self-discipline, for example. Uh, so uh, I thought, well, maybe we should have the, 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 all the virtues listed and uh, ask teams to, to circle the ones that... that they struggle with or that they think are important for their current project in their current context and then focus on those. Uh, so that might it might depend on the team which ones are important. Okay, so it's left as a team exercise where to focus the team with its uh, values. Exactly. We did that ourselves. We, we, we took the, the, the list of 50 virtues And uh, with, uh, with, uh, with dot voting, we, we made sure that uh, we aligned on, on, on the five or seven uh, virtues that we thought were most important to us for our project. And a few of them were exactly the same as in Agile, uh, and a few were, were different, but we found them uh, to be important. Next is Empower Teams. What is important about the 10 intrinsic desires? Um, well, there are lots of uh, lots of theories about intrinsic desires, and um, uh, self determination theory is one, and the sixteen basic desires uh, is another one. Uh, and basically, it boils down to the fact that, uh, uh, as with values, uh, desires may differ per person. So, for example, um, some people need Uh, orderliness in their environment. They, they are in need of, of structure. While others, like me, for example, I thrive in, 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 in anarchy. Uh, I, I love things not to be too structured around me. Uh, and this is, it is the same for other uh, uh, desires. Like some people care very much about, about status. 
while others don't think that is important at all. Um, and I think uh, managers can take those differences into account and, and align uh, the work that people do with what, what, what is important to them. If, if a person really needs uh, orderliness, for example, maybe that person would love to take, take care of the wiki pages where the team uh, uh, process are described or, or something like that. Uh, this, uh, this could be taken up uh, by the team themselves, by team members themselves, uh, through self-organization. But a manager could also make sure that, that what, what people are doing uh, is aligned with, with, uh, uh, with how they are. Align is the, is the right keyword for the third uh, view, align constraints. Uh, what are your tips for defining goals? Um, I think um, goals and purpose uh, are uh, uh, um, treated somewhat simplistically in, in a number of uh, management books. Um, if you consider a um, a software team as a as a living system, as I prefer to do, then I can only conclude that there are different kinds of, of purposes. And um, uh, there is, for example, a difference between an emergent purpose, uh, a goal that a team themselves uh, come up with, and an extrinsic purpose, which is a goal that a manager assigns to a team. And then there are the purposes of the individual stakeholders, like a product owner has a purpose and, this, and, the, and, and the customer has a purpose and individual employees have their purposes and suppliers have a purpose. So there are many kinds of goals and purposes. And um, I believe it, is, uh, well, it, is, uh, it makes sense to, to distinguish between a purpose that, uh, that a manager assigns to a team Like, for example, we have to be profitable next year with our product, otherwise we're out of business. Uh, and at the same time, the team themselves can come up with a purpose. Like, we want to be the best performing extreme programming team in our company. Uh, and these should go hand in hand. It is the same as, as uh, raising children, where parents have... Uh, have had a purpose for their children, otherwise they wouldn't have had children. But at the same time, the children grow up and define purposes for themselves. And these have to align with each other. So the company would have to allow the development team to define at least part of its purpose, right? Yes, exactly. Because it is a living system, it has a reason for existence. And uh, we call it emergence when a self-organizing system comes up with properties at the, at the system level and the purpose of a living system is typically an emergent property. It, you cannot predict what it is, but it is there in the interaction between the team members. And any purpose that the team comes up with, comes up with has to be evaluated with the manager and, and hopefully uh, it can be aligned with, uh, with the purpose that, uh, that management has uh, for, the, for the teams. That would be, that would be the best, uh, best outcome. So it sounds it, it's the, the right thing, but how do you convince your environment that letting the team define part of the purpose is a good thing? Well, how do you define uh, that a child can have uh, its own purpose in life? <laughs> 
that that just happens if you ignore that that your children have their own reasons for existence and you basically instruct them and, and tell them what to do they won't be happy in the long run they may do what you want in a short while uh, in a short while but but in the long run you will you will lose their commitment this is exactly what happens with many software teams if they, if they just get told what to do uh, you lose the, their long-term commitment. So I believe it is important to, to accept that a team may have a purpose of their own if you want to have a, a, a sustainable uh, uh, software development environment. Okay. Develop competence. Uh, I mean, how do you know what to develop as a manager? How would you identify competence gaps um, I think it is uh, important to have some form of measurements. Uh, it is very difficult to come up with good measurements. Measurements uh, and, and KPIs are often used in, in very uh, wrong, uh, in wrong ways, incorrect metrics. But it is, it is crucial to know how to do better uh, by, by tracking how you're doing. Uh, like if you're exercising... Uh, then you're probably tracking uh, your, your, your heart rate or the number of kilometers that you ran or the number of push-ups. Uh, if you don't, then, then how will you know how to do better or if you did better than before? So this is basically measuring yourself. Uh, it is what, what scrum teams do when, when they track velocity or when they, have, uh, when they, uh, they track buck count or whatever. It is, it is evaluating uh, their, own, uh, their own performance. And that's where it starts, coming up with, with good metrics that align with the purpose of the team and of, of management. And then uh, uh, try to understand uh, what to do to, uh, to, to, uh, to be better next time. Under the view of uh, growth structure, you mentioned the term value network. What is a value network? Well, this is uh, another example of of the, the um, of how what it means to see an organization as a complex system, because the usual uh, words uh, in agile development and in lean development. Uh, are value streams and and value stream mapping and value chains, for example. But these have linear uh, connotations. They, they they associate with 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 linear uh, flow of value. But if you see your organization as a complex system, then you understand that value does not only go in the direction of the customer. Uh, there's also suppliers and shareholders and employees and uh, the local community where the business resides for which the business uh, supplies empl uh, employment. So there are many stakeholders in an organization and they all try to draw value out of that cooperation. So uh, if, you, if you understand, if you realize that, then you realize that it is not a one value stream that you have. You have a value network with value going in, 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 in different directions. And I see an organization as, as a number of teams that all uh, try to provide value to each other uh, and that value should end up fi uh, ultimately uh, at the customer uh, side or with the shareholders or with the suppliers or any of the other stakeholders. Next one is improve everything. 
What are the tips for continuous improvement? Well, sharpen the saw, we've learned already several times. Now, what do you recommend? Well, if we uh, try to be um, um, concrete here, um, there are a number of, of tips uh, from, uh, from other sources that I, that I collected, uh, like, for example, uh, to have an improvement backlog, so not only a backlog for your product that you're working on, uh, but also a, a backlog for, uh, for improvements of the team and the organization that have a wider scope than just the current project. Um, another example is to have a transition team consisting of people uh, as representatives of, of different roles and, and, and functions uh, from the organization where they lead uh, the, the agile transition in the, in the entire organization. Um, another one is, uh, well, very popular these days is to have Kanban boards uh, for, uh, for product development where Kanban is actually uh, a, a, a continuous improvement framework that through visualizing the, the, the flow of value uh, makes sure that you, that you see what parts of, of, of the collaborating team need to be improved in order to make that value uh, flow faster. Uh, so th those are a few examples of, of what you can do to improve your, uh, your business. Okay, so we covered now the six views. Are there more views? How, how would you know those, you have those six? Is this one way to categorize your experiences? Yes, my, my last chapter of the book explains that uh, in the end, uh, all models are wrong, but some are useful. Um, I find my own model useful for now, but probably I will come up with, with one or two views later that I think uh, I should have added. <laughs> uh, but um, we will see, maybe, uh, maybe stakeholder management might be one that could be turned into a seventh view at some point in the future edition or something. Looking at the introduction of HL methodologies, at HL mindset, and, and also introducing um, your best practices, it's typically a larger transition that needs to happen. How would you help people to move from an old-style management to a more HL way? I think uh, one of the most important things is to make things visible. Uh, this is exactly what, what Scrum does, for example. Um, uh, it makes, and, and Kanban as well, they make things visible by, by showing the work on a, on a task board where sticky notes flow from the left to the right. And as soon as you start doing that, you see what the bottlenecks are um, that um, that things are, are are happening that that you didn't uh, that you didn't expect, etc. Uh, etc. Et and they call that visual management. Scrum is is just one example of visual management. By making things visible, you make it you make it painful, and then the, there will be an urge to change it. And this is this is one of the most important aspects of change management in organizations. Um, to make things to make things visible. So if you start by that, and you can do that with management as well, you can do that with uh, with management as well. Uh, this probably is the the, the the first step to to begin with. What would be the second step? 
Um, the second step, um, uh, find inspiration in, 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 uh, by reading and, and going to conferences, etc. Because um, as, my, as, as my, I point out in my book, there are no easy solutions. People uh, regularly ask me for, for uh, uh, the silver bullets, the, 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 the one or the two simple things that you can do to totally transform your organization. And that's not how it works. Every organization is different. Every team is different. And you will have to uh, 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 adapt the, the advice by others to your own context. So it is impossible to, to tell people uh, how to start changing the organization without any knowledge of, of their context. Uh, so my only advice is to, is to um, make things visible and, and, and learn by reading and by seeing what others are doing and adopt anything that makes sense to you. What are typical situations where you think this management style, the management 3.0 style, is not well suited? So when would you actually say uh, and recommend not to use this kind of management style? Um, I think um, it is pretty well suited for, for many types of organizations, but um, it will be harder in some of them, like, for example, if you have organizations where politics uh, uh, are a very important part of what is going on, um, and not only in political parties, but also in, in, in uh, very traditional bureaucrat bureaucratic organizations where... where politics is an integral part of what is happening, then it, it will be very hard to uh, implement uh, the practices and the ideas that, uh, that I describe in my book. Um, and um, another situation might be where a business is basically uh, a one-man show, uh, one person uh, who uh, has his own style and vision, etc., on whatever needs to be produced and just needs the help of, of, of a few others. Uh, that might also not be uh, a situation where some of the practices are easily, uh, easily applied because uh, Agile uh, is, is, is particularly about teamwork and, and self-organizing teams with little uh, uh, command and control from, from the top. In my experience, processes are typically tightly aligned with organization, how you organize the teams. For example, whether the team lead is also the scrum master or not, whether the team lead leads or has a complete scrum team, or the, whether you have a metrics organization where a team lead uh, would be the manager of uh, certain roles only. I mean, there are certain cross influences between an organization and a methodology that the organization employs. Now, with this management style, you assume a certain process environment, uh, I assume, uh, this is my assumption. Um, so what are the organizational assumptions, basically, that you have? Um, actually, I believe uh, that, that it is the other way around that I describe that every organization is unique. Um, just like every, every species in, in, in nature is unique uh, to its own uh, environment. 
And uh, as I uh, have described, uh, you, you cannot tell that uh, a starfish is better than a spider because a starfish is, is the best solution for, for its environment in the sea and the spider is the best solution for its own environment in, in my cellar. Uh, so it depends on, on, on the context and the same applies to processes as, as uh, scrum, uh, scrum masters versus product owners and who can do what uh, and how teams need to be aligned with other teams, what kind of structures they, they have. I give a number of suggestions basically in my book that, that, that work well in a number of, of settings, but uh, I have a huge disclaimer in the, f in, in the form of Chapter 16 where I say that, uh, where I, have, where I even have a complexity pamphlet uh, saying that in the end it all depends uh, on your own context and you will have to uh, just figure out by trial and error what works for you. So never believe uh, the fundamentalists who say that you have to do this because this is the best practice. There are no best practices. There are only useful practices. And uh, please try them first before you try their own because uh, they are not... Uh, they are useful for, for a reason, but you might have a situation that is special to you, so you will have to adapt or invent your own. So, any conclusions that you would like to share at the end of our interview with our listeners? Um, it, is, uh, it is a difficult thing to do, uh, to, to become uh, a better manager, a better software developer, a better project manager. Um, but um, what, 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 um, what I believe is often the problem in, in, in many organizations that few people learn. Uh, few people uh, actually take the opportunity and really uh, pick up a book or 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 uh, a podcast, uh, listen to a podcast or or uh, download some some uh, movies uh, from from uh, from other uh, uh, from other leaders and try to understand how to be better at their jobs. This is this is what I've noticed many times that people uh, think they are already uh, very competent, uh, as they say, ninety percent of the people think their competence is above average. Well, we all know this, that that formula doesn't work out. So we all have to keep learning how to be better. Okay. Thank you, Jürgen, for the interview. And bye-bye. Thank you very much for, uh, for having me, Mike. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Software Engineering Radio. SE Radio is an educational program brought to you by Hillside Europe. If you want more information about the podcast and the other episodes, visit our website at se-radio.net. If you want to support us, you can donate to the SE Radio team via the website, or you can advertise for SE Radio, for example, by clicking on the Dick Reddit Delicious and Slashdot buttons, or by talking about us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also support us by joining the team and shouldering some of the work. To contact the team, please send an email to team at se-radio.net. Or, if your feedback is specific to an episode, please use the comments facility on the website so other people can react to your comments. This episode of SE Radio, as well as all other episodes, are licensed under a Creative Commons 2.5 license. Please see the website for details.